0: The Idaho Street Workshop is proud to present Changes, a six-episode limited series. Episode three, Sex, Drugs, Rock the Devil. Please remember, most of what is heard is fiction. The historical facts were gathered from the internet, books I have in my garage, or things I remember. So please don't quote this podcast as a source. Dear listener, have you ever thought about how your job has changed your sense of self, your physical manifestation of self? How your early dreams of being a rock star or a linguist have helped shape your muscles, changed how you pronounce words, caused your lower vertebrae to ache? Or how it has changed your conception of joy, pain, technology, and the limits of humanity? Or is your life shaped not by the pursuit of a career? but the pursuit of trying to survive. All in all, it's a story about a man named Jerome and his friends that used to call him Rome. Today's episode is mostly a monologue, stepping through a man's life, how he sees his career, how he perceives his role. The ups and downs. The late nights, the early mornings. Featuring the voices of Anna Clark, Brian Taylor, and myself, John Wenzel. For more information about the series, please visit IdahoStreetWorkshop.com. I I remember reading once that Abraham Lincoln always, he always thought he would move back to Illinois to a house or, or rather a homestead where he could sit by the fire, read all the books he wanted, and write all the letters that he didn't have time to write. Now, just to be clear, I'm not saying that my life was as important as Lincoln's, just that my path has been interrupted. The course that I saw for my life when I was younger, I I'm nowhere near it now. So today, I will tell you all I can about my jobs, about the work I've done and how it started, or at least how I remember it starting. I'm going to skip the lawn mowing, the odd jobs that a young person does. I, I don't think you're really interested in, uh, you know, knowing how much I got paid to mow Miss Mary's lawn. I, I'll start, though, with two jobs. Two jobs that were, you know, nothing but jobs, I, but I worked them with my sister. Two jobs, that these two jobs, they, they really shaped me as a person. On our 16th birthday, uh, Remy and I, uh, we filled out applications together, wanting to work the same shifts. The manager at this particular franchise had two spots open in the closing ship. He thought it would be funny to have twins working. I thought he would just tickle some of his stoner guests. My older sister, older by seven minutes, it was that first manager, Keith. He's the one that gave me my nickname, Rome. So, for the next 19 years, I wasn't Jerome anymore, I was Rome. Keith, he thought it was so funny. Rome and Remy, his twins. I, I think he was a washed-out uh, history major from Creighton or something. We were just happy to work together. We earned an extra dollar an hour for the closing shift. So in the prior episodes, I always talked about Remy as my sister, not my twin. Sorry. I didn't mean to confuse you. While while we were born seven minutes apart, we never really called each other twins. It seemed to us that fraternal twins were more like siblings, not, not twins. Uh, this was really set in stone in 97 when I started sleeping on a couch. This was in Chicago and Hyde Park. She introduced me as her little brother, and that was that. I had grown a lot since high school in the burger place, so I was six inches taller than she was. People didn't really see us as twins. Remy, she ran, exercised, yoga, got haircuts, you know, bathed daily. I was in a rock band. I, I'm not sure if Keith would have hired us. The joke wouldn't have worked. He wouldn't have had his Romulus and Remus. Uh, August 2nd, 1990. The start of Operation Desert Shield. Uh, our 16th birthday. We got a job at the burger place, Keith had his twins, and we were making five fifteen an hour. We lived with our mom and dad in a blue house. Uh, our rooms were in the finished basement. I had a hoop in the driveway. Nothing too exciting. Our extended family lived around the corner, not that many out of the zip code, uh, nevertheless the city. Uh, this was Omaha, Northside, Clifton Hills, 4220 Maple, uh, Remy and I were both happy to leave for college, even if it was only to Lincoln, the University of Nebraska-Lincoln-UNL. State tuition for me and scholarships for Remy. My mom always said it was two for one. We continued to work together the summer before our sophomore year. We had a job at this, like, all-night photo mat. I never really understood who wanted their photos that quick, but it was a good job, during, especially during the summer. And the manager let us stay on a couple nights a week during the school year. It, it was so much better than the burgers. We had so much time to just talk, catch up. It, Remy, she was she was such a natural in school. She had this gift for languages and for people, for exploring a college of 23,854 students. She almost joined a sorority. Man, she was so much better at it than I was. I mean, I did okay. I, I did what you did in the 90s when you didn't really know what to do. I, I majored in communications. I graduated in 1996 with a BA. I didn't really learn anything. We were still talking about hot and cold media, Ronald Reagan, and the fall of the Berlin Wall. All I did besides drink was play music. And yeah, I was in a band. I guess. Half the band came from the comms department. The other half of music. I played instruments and in Remy knew languages. That's just how it was when we were growing up, and uh, that's what started us down the different paths. Uh, the photomat job—that was something we were both really good at: spooling the film into the leads for the developer, adjusting the color as it went through the printer, cutting the negatives, putting it all into custom envelopes. Remy, she—she she always made me build the chemicals. That was okay. I didn't really know what was in those. That's something Nick and I talked about later. The Chemicals. He was from Rochester, New York, home of Kodak. Home of multiple Superfund sites dedicated to the capturing of memories. But after a couple years working with Remy at the Photomat, I I had to stop. The band, uh, we started playing gigs. We toured during the summer. The manager thankfully liked me enough to keep me around... uh, you know, working a couple days um, during the day, but it just wasn't as fun, but it fit into my classes. At that point, Remy was excelling. She started to talk about going to graduate school, talked about UPenn, University of Chicago, Columbia. It was weird and and just amazing. When it came to graduation day, uh, Remy was off to grad school, and I was set for a three-city tour that turned into a three-year tour. I mean, we didn't tour the whole time, but we, we were on the road a lot. Uh, the drummer, he had family in Chicago, and Remy got into the University of Chicago, so I used her address as my mailing address, and her couch as my bed. I didn't... I didn't mind it that much. I, I, I liked it better when she moved to... moved to Bucknell. I don't... I don't really know if any of her roommates liked me. Well, maybe one. Regina. On... June 15th, 1998, she answered an ad in the Reader, and, well... I started working at a 24-hour copy shop on North Avenue, uh, part-time at Night Shift in the fall of 1998. Uh, We were working on a new album at that point, and frankly, we were really burnt out from touring. We we hadn't really added many songs since Lincoln thought the new album would, like, help us get So. I, I had time for a job, uh, and Remy wanted me to start paying anyway. He, even though Regina and I were dating, or, or maybe it was because of that, I, I don't know. When when the band started, it didn't really start. We just kind of were drinking one night, and we started playing. Um, and that night I was playing the bass, so I was a bass player. It was for the record in 1998 that we met Dave. Uh, he was cool, he joined the band, which was great, because I didn't really want to be a bass player. It never really fit me very well. So I was happy to stop. For the album and the tours afterwards, I moved over to keyboards that was also kind of morphed into playing CD players that were hooked up to guitar pedals that eventually involved a computer and just a couple other stuff. It was, it was such a bitch to haul around. Both of our albums were self-released, and we toured a lot. And we toured with some big acts. Um, we were always the opening act though, or frankly, openers for the opening act. We were we were fill-ins on larger tours, last minute additions. We were the band that people liked, but not really enough to, you know, like. Uh, to be truthful, our albums came out on cassette tape. This was before the recent resurgence of tape. I guess, I mean, they're cool now, right? After we split up, the band, not me and Regina, I started working AV at a hotel downtown. It was like September 30th, 2000. It started as a series of pickup jobs on the weekend and loading and unloading, just easy stuff. Then it, like, turned into a real job. Mostly at nights, long hours. I didn't really understand what the conventions were for, but everyone liked me enough, and I didn't hate it. It gave me flexibility. I was still playing a noisy, unorganized form of music. Since most of my weekends were babysitting equipment, I would play in an occasional Monday night at Lava, or Wednesday at Dead Tech, or Tuesday at another gallery bar. and Not many gigs, just enough to pretend that I was still living the dream. They were solo art music shows, not, not at all rock shows. They were for like 10 or 20 people, and the payment was usually like a pitcher of PBR or a couple cans of Old Styles. I tried DJing a couple times, but I never really liked that. Standing a bit above the dance floor at Club Foot or in the corner at Danny's, just wasn't the same. Our band, um, we played most of the places around town. Lounge Axe, Fireside Bowl, Prodigal Son. That place in the back of that taco shop on, on Milwaukee. Anyway, the bigger places too empty bottles, Shuba's, double door, hideout. We never played Metro. I think it's closed now. I mean, out of business. Can't imagine any of those places are going to be the same after COVID. Nick and I met at Metro. It was February 13th, 2003. I had bought Regina tickets to the Donna's. Nick and I, we talked about how photography made all of Rochester, New York, a toxic area, a super fun site. I got Nick a couple of gigs in 03. Not, not much. Just $11, $12 moving stuff around jobs. I was writing quotes, managing the departments, and I needed help, and he was around. Our band? I guess we were post-punk metal math rock. You know, post-Talking uh, Heads, Debbie Harry Punk, not Ramones or Black Flag. Metal as in Black Sabbath, not Anthrax. Mathrock, as in Emerson Lake and Palmer, not King Crimson. Not Mathcore. It just sounded like a bad joke. I thought if we would have ever hit it big, we would have had a U.S. Maple-type success. Like podcasts and most of the music industry today, we made most of our money on the road through t-shirts, hats, bumper stickers, stuff like that. The guitar player and I figured it out. He made t-shirts with Alistair Crowley quotes on them. A lot of people really liked him. The margins were really good on him too. We broke even on most tours, maybe even pocketing a couple hundred dollars. Our longest tour was to Europe, to Spain, England, Wales, Ireland, Germany, then back to England, then a stop in Iceland on the way back. Jimmy, he had a friend in Spain who hooked us up with tapes and t-shirts for the tour. Uh, they were really horrible quality, but they sold just the same. Surprisingly, this led me to be a programmer. I was in this user group in 04 or 05, mostly lurking, when I saw this post from this guy, Sven. I, I, had, made him, I, I had met him in Spain, or maybe Iceland. Anyway, he was working on this project where I needed a control program for this and that, and he actually mentioned our band and the crazy setup I had. I had to spend hours like running cables, but so I wrote this little program that could run everything from a command line and all of it just with like simple voltage control it was just a like a simple tool to solve a problem but Sven was posting about it and wondering if anyone had seen the band and and if anyone knew the code so long story short i became a programmer stop lights controlling the stop go stop you know yield that whole thing Sven thought the code could help control traffic after he left the scene, he went to grad school He was looking for a way to program and control stoplights. This was in Barcelona and half of Scandinavia. Uh, Sven would, to, it was to move away from the car, a to create, to create a new world where the city block would come alive and people and progressive ideas. Um, he would call it his, uh, you I could never pronounce it. It turned out that my little program was useful, so I became a consultant. This meant that my work day would change. At first I did all the work at the same time as the hotel work, but it was paying good, and Sven thought it would be easier if I was working the same hours as his crew in Europe. We ended up using Skype a lot. Sven knew a couple of the guys that worked there. Skype was still really beta in 2004, but it worked well enough for me to stay in Chicago, which was great. So this meant that my typical workday had to mirror a, a workday in Spain. I went back to the night shift. So that meant that most weeknights I would wake up around midnight, listen to Art Bell or watch the end of Conan. Uh, and then I took a shower, drank some coffee, um, worked for 10 to 12 hours. Uh, after work I, I got some groceries, maybe an early dinner and drink with a friend. I really had to get to sleep by 5 or I was just drunk the next day. Regina and I were living together at this point. We had a place in Logan Square. I used the third bedroom in the front uh, uh, for my office. Being out of time with her probably made the decision, her decision, to move out, to go to New York easier. I knew I threw myself into my work after what happened to Nick and Remy. I scheduled more work for myself at the hotel, filling in for texts at night and, and on weekends when I could have found someone else to do the work. Um, I spent nights in chat rooms and checking user groups looking for more information about ren until I stumbled onto this stoplight thing with Sven. Then that occupied me for hours and hours and hours, a relearning code I had forgotten, trying to catch up. Before Regina left, we took a trip to Florida. I thought it was just going to be a trip, to spend time together, to rekindle our relationship. Um, She told me she was moving out when we got back. Eventually Sven decided to set up an outshoot of the company in Chicago. This was in, I don't know, 2016. I had been working nights for over 10 years. I was the lead in the states so I still had to do meetings twice a week uh, with the gang in Barcelona. So I worked split shifts, half Chicago time, half Spain time. The best part about that time, I guess we had this office near Grand in Pulaski. I had access to the roof, so at nights when I had to be there for meetings or on call for this and that, I would go up onto the roof and look out out towards downtown, towards Sears Tower. On a good night... You could see the Big Dipper, Cassiopeia, Orion. True, you couldn't always see Cassiopeia. I remember this one night that Nick and I were hanging out. Um, He started to go on and on about the stars, about starlight and deep time, and about how when we look up at the stars, we see time differently. We, We become an omniscient observer that we see time happening, different times happening at once. We see many presents at once, we see all time at the same time. It's starlight, this starlight, we see many different worlds, not sequentially, but at the same time. The company was bought out in the third quarter of 2019. I was still a contractor, so I didn't get much of a payout. I had kept the license to my program, but we had phased that out years ago. I found myself unemployed. I found myself an ex-rock and roller, now an ex-programmer, with nothing to do. So in January 2020, I moved back home to help out my mom, back to Omaha. North side, Clifton Hills, 4220 Maple. And about Remy, why do you always forget that this has to do with her? Fine. If you aren't going to admit this, that this is actually about Remy, can you at least talk more about something else? Something concrete? Are you happy with the country you live in? Have you ever been happy with where you work? what you do? Dear listener, thank you for joining us for this the third episode of the Idaho Street Workshop. The workshop is written, composed and produced by me, John Wenzel, and features the additional voice talents of Brian Taylor and Anna Clark. For more information about the program, please visit the website at idahostreetworkshop.com. Tune in to our next episode, The Story of Remy. Until then, from San Diego to your ears.